Welcome to BIV Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and executive editor. You know, no question, one of the byproducts of the pandemic has been a reconsideration of how, why, and even when we work. The disruption to the routine has led to new workplace dynamics, new expectations, a different form of work-life balance. A new national survey by Athabasca University points to considerable reconsideration across a range of topics concerning work. My guest today to discuss the study is the university's new president, Dr. Alex Clark. He joins me from Edmonton. Good to see you. Good to be here, Kirk. Uh, Really pleased to share about uh, the survey and and maybe help us all understand what we can do with it. You know, the casual observation about work in the pandemic is that we've eased off the gas pedal, our productivity is slack, and we aren't willing to have work define us as much uh, in terms of our identities. Does the survey really show that, though? Uh, I don't think it does. I think what it actually shows is, well, certainly about half of those who responded were more ambitious after the pandemic than during it. Um, About 90% of of those who responded want to develop new skills. And and if you're in a manager role, very similar levels as well. You wanted your staff to develop new skills and and wanted a a new challenge, uh, you know, and I think uh, that's where learning and education come in. Uh, but of course, it's also finding the time to do that, which can be challenging. Um, are people ambitious still? I think, well, significant proportion of people are ambitious. We always try to be data-led. So if you look at the results of the survey, uh, about half of the respondents in the survey reported being uh, as or more ambitious after the pandemic than before. Um, and it could be because, you know, the jobs have changed a little bit. It could be sometimes, you know, if you're involved in pandemic mode, it gives you more a chance to reflect and look at that alignment between your values, what, what you're really looking for and the meaningfulness of your work and what you're actually doing. Uh, and I think ambition can be a great drive. And if it's a great driver to learn, uh, then I think that can be something that's really life-changing. You, you've got these uh, almost conflicting factors going on. You've got people who are saying they really want to reestablish a different balance of their lifestyles with their work styles. That's on the one hand. And then you've got another cluster of people that are saying, hey, wait a minute, we're busier than ever. So um, let's let's not talk about work-life balance. We're all running around here and, and this is the way we're going to be. It, these are almost like a paradox out there. Yeah, and I think when you look at the world of work, it can be sort of full of paradoxes, recognizing you've got different segments, different people at different career stages. You also have, you know, issues like gender and sex and sexual identity playing out there as well. Um, but I think what is clear from the findings here that work-life balance, particularly, you know, for respondents from British Columbia, uh, that's a real concern. Um, so people have this hunger to learn and this hunger to, you know, to develop new skills or reskill, but they do so on the condition, I think, that work-life balance continues to be important, and if possible, they can have better work-life balance going forward as well. Are there expectations of the employer shifting now? That's a good question. Um, we, I'm not sure. I don't think we looked at that in the survey, uh, but thinking about other surveys and other points of research, I do think it's something we're, we're all in this together. Uh, and when we look at workplace wellness, a lot more employers are interested in workplace wellness now. Um, recognizing that, that what makes a difference for workers is things like hope, stability, trust, and compassion in their organizations. And you probably get a sense of if you have happy workers who have those things in terms of the meaningfulness of their work, they're also more likely to be productive 
and effective. And they're probably also more likely to stick around, even if they get an offer that offers a higher salary. These are actually the things that really make a difference in terms of retention as well. Again, a bit of a paradox. I mean, there is a, a profound labor shortage, it seems, in many sectors in this country. And yet we've also got a lot of people that are quite ambitious, wanting to find new careers. Um, again, what's winning out here? Is it, is it the, you know, the, the people that are moving from gig to gig because they are just looking for exciting new things to do? Or is it the, uh, the stay-at-home career person that, um, that is becoming hard to attract but, but at least can be retained? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it could be both of those, in fact, in that, you know, different workers find themselves in different situations and and sometimes circumstances mean they can or can't move. But I think what's really exciting about the kind of new types of educational qualifications that we're seeing is you don't have to give up years of your time uh, or move uh, or give up. Uh, other things are important to you in terms of that work-life balance in order to upskill and study and develop or reskill um, your skill set. Uh, you you can work. Uh, you can enjoy the other things you enjoy in the British Columbian lifestyle, I'm sure, that many people enjoy, uh, but also develop those next-level skills that can help you maybe stay in the job you're in but feel more fulfilled but potentially also make you attractive for moving jobs if that's something you want to do. And we know in the pandemic afterwards, lots of people decided to either move job or, or a different pace to their work life. Yeah. I mean, your university, of course, uh, pioneered, I think, uh, the online studying that is now, I think, rather uh, rather prolific in this country. It's really pretty extensive. But uh, there is almost uh, um, another paradox emerging there, which is that, we've got a number of people doing work at home and yet um, you know, the, in your, in your case, they would be doing their work remotely. And yet um, the study says we crave connection. We crave connection. Uh, how do we square those two things? Yeah, it's interesting. And I think again, the pandemic really brought, into focus. There's so much we can do online that, that many organizations never expected that they'd be able to do or do so quickly. But sure. it's also drawn a focus to, you know, there are things that the online can be challenging within a traditional workplace or educational situation. So, you, you know, you've got lots of organizations, universities now provide online options mm-hmm. for for learners, whether they're adults or, or you know, high school students. Um, but at the same time, it's really what learners want is the connections. They want connections with their instructors. They want connections with their fellow students. Um, and it's really the kind of first class, if you've been doing this for decades, first class of education that experienced universities like Athabasca University who have done this for a long time, they can provide that, that combination of really, really good education but because they've been doing it for so long, really, really harness the connections that are often part of learning um, in a group or, you know, in a discussion forum, if it's asynchronous, that, that really, really help the learning take take place. So, yeah, I think connection remains important, but it's about how we use that connection in the education that really makes a difference, I think, in terms of the learning. Certainly your study found that uh, Canadians really want to be the guardians of their work-life balance. That, uh, that, that where it had been defined for them, uh, they're taking a little, well, not a little, they're taking this back as their uh, business now, not the employer's business. Um, what do you think are the implications of that? Yeah, I think it, it gives a strong signal for employers 
Um, you know, if you care about effectiveness, and you also care about the well-being of your workforce. Um, and work, workforce well-being and workplace well-being doesn't happen by magic. Um, it's not going to be something that's in place if it's burnout or anxiety or depressive symptoms. Um, you, you know, you really do have to have a strategy and really have to have an approach. Uh, and you you can also integrate skills development uh, and also education and training, you know, to help people take that ownership, but also have the skills around prioritization or effectiveness or self-care sometimes as well. Um, over the course of things to make sure that they can work well, but live well as well, because those two things tend to be connected. If you're living well, you're working well. And if you're working well, you feel you're living well. Um, and that also, I think, is a real factor in retention. So keeping good people, talent management, keeping those people through your pathways, keeping them educated and finding meaningfulness in your organization, really, I think these days requires addressing you know, the skills and the skills seem to be really well linked and really closely linked to meaningfulness of work and mental health as well. One thing that I, I wonder, had the pandemic been short-lived, had it been a six-month experience as opposed to pretty well a three-year experience, um, maybe we wouldn't have had this kind of reflection on work. But one of the things that stands out again in your study is how, how employees are craving, um, first of all, innovation in their firms and secondly, training reskilling, that that it's where in the first six months of the pandemic, I suspect people were just trying to deal with the chaos, trying to deal with the, uh, you know, the reorganization of their work so that it could be done remotely. They seem to have gotten over that now, and they seem to want a, a kind of a, a different set of uh, priorities attached to their employment. It, again, uh, talk to that and, and what you think it it's saying to employers in this country. Yeah, I think pandemic, and it was three years ago, literally this week, and I, was, I got some photographs on my phone from three years ago today of, you know, empty university buildings. And when you think yeah. back, that was such a, a profound and shocking time. And I can remember having discussions about, oh, will this carry on until June? And then, <laughs> of course, the months become years. Like, it was such an unusual time. And I think it caused a lot of us to reappraise and reflect on what's really important to us. Uh, many of us had spent a long time, you know, on the commute, you know, to and from work in the traffic. Um, and we suddenly realized we could do a lot more. Or we could do a lot of work without that commute and we could meet in different ways and meet really well and achieve lots and lots in our work. But with that sense that some things were also missing. So I think it, it did give us a, a longer period for reflection. Um, and we've had a, the great resignation. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that's been an international movement about, which is essentially refocusing your values on, on what's really working for you in terms of work. But also that sense of, you, you know, where work fits with the rest of your life. What is meaningful work and what, what do you need to do to prepare yourself for meaningful work? Uh, and I think learning is central to that, you know, over the life course. Um, you know, you're constantly having to think of the half-life of your skills and your some skills, uh, they have a shorter half-life than others. Uh, but really thinking through what skills can add value and add meaningfulness. And I think it's really good when universities like Athabasca University and others, we're responding to that need um, with shorter, more focused courses that really meet the needs of people where they're coming from, but can also take them to where they want to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, from a macroeconomic standpoint, we're, uh, you know, we're not a country known for our productivity in the first place. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're quite a bit less productive than our neighbors to the south, for instance. 
And then uh, you match that up with the fact that we have a, a system of programming in this country uh, that costs quite a bit of money. We don't have a uh, we don't have the scale of the United States to necessarily finance some of these things. Um, and so we and in the midst of this, we've got workers essentially saying, "Wait a minute, I you know I I think." we were taken advantage of for a long stretch of time here. And now it's time to claw some of this back so that my, uh, my lifestyle doesn't get ruined by the amount of work. Um, when you examine it from say that level, that 50,000 feet level, um, do you worry about how we're gonna get through this? Um, I think over the years and over the decades, you know, We've gone through periods where things have changed a lot. And if you if you look at how things changed from the 1920s all the way up, if you like, to the mid-1980s, there were seismic shifts in work and the workplaces across North America and across Europe. We have come through a period, I would say, of unprecedented stability. Many of us have grown up and grown old in that. And you thought... Uh, inflation wasn't really a thing or inflation was always going to be sustainable. Right. Employment, unemployment was always going to be fairly low. Um, and we weren't even at one point thinking we were going to have any global conflicts. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, uh, the world surprises us uh, constantly, you know, in terms of history and things that happen that are unexpected. So, yeah, I think we are in a period now where, you know, uh, different generations are feeling a little bit less sure and a little bit less bit confident and they're going to be in the same career forever or the job that they have just now is a job that's going to work for them for a long time. Which again, I think draws the focus on, you know, shorter, more responsive uh, uh educational uh, options relative to that are a good idea. Um, certainly from my point of view, and I think if you look at the research, there's probably very little more transformative you can do in your life than learning. Um, an investment in learning is an investment in yourself. It's also an investment in your family and your community. And we know here, you know, the uncertainty, people are feeling it. And it's the data from British Columbia really substantiate this overextended, understaffed, you know, two-thirds of respondents, for example, three-quarters feeling um, that they they want to be more protective of their work-life balance. So I think the world just now is a less certain place. But again, if there's one certainty in that uncertainty, I think it's the value of education. And uh, obviously, as I'm a big advocate for that, um, having lived and grown and worked in universities my whole career, but I think the research would substantiate that in any industry that you want to work in. That educational value, the skills focus, it can be really transformative. Okay. I want to conclude by, with a bit of a personal couple of questions for you. What, what does a study like this teach you about what kind of president you feel you then need to be? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I think... When I look at the the study findings here, they they talk to me about opportunity. They talk when you have ninety percent of Canadians, you know, in the sample thinking that they want to change job, or, or you you know, two thirds wanting more meaningfulness in their job. Uh, that for me speaks not just to a practical need, but a, a profound human need um, that education can meet. Um, mm -hmm. That, that really is transformative. And we know when we feel flow in our work, you know, we've all had those experiences where we just feel so engaged and we feel we're doing the right job at exactly the right time and we're making our highest contribution. 
Uh, that's a highlight, I think, of your whole life. It, it really does give meaning. Uh, and I think when you look at the needs here that we see in Canadians, it's really incumbent on us all, you know, particularly in the post-secondary, the university sector and the college sector, to think how we can better respond to those needs uh, and respond also in ways that don't reflect how we've done things in the past. Um, respond with educational offerings that are shorter, more precise and more responsive. So we can play a part in the journey that our workers are on, our colleagues are on, to really find the greatest level of meaningfulness in their life and their work, and also make their highest contribution. That, for me, is something that gets me up in the morning, for sure. But if I can uh, ask you to drill in a little bit further, uh, what do you think it's going to do to the way in which you manage? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of how I manage our, our universities, including Athabasca University, we have to be nimble and we have to be responsive and we have to be collaborative. So using data to look at, you know, as we go and things continue to change, where the needs really are for learning, particularly those skills that have the long half-life that really, really do add value to someone over years and decades even of their life. Um, and, and these are going to change. So, you know, what works for today won't necessarily work for tomorrow. So we have to keep looking at the data and we have to keep responding. And it's part of my role to ensure we, as an institution, we respond to those data, uh, we respond quickly and we respond effectively. And we continue to offer, you know, the micro-credentials and the programs that really do meet the needs and add the meaningfulness to people's life and their work. Yeah, with a, with a different focus on analytics, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and, you know, the world is changing. And at the moment, you know, if you look at some of the offerings, we have about 90 different micro-credentials and programs. A lot of our focus is on uh, interpersonal skills, uh, digital skills, uh, digital transformation, some of the new energy resources, um, some of the new things around artificial intelligence. But, of course, these things are going to change in time as well. And we know technology is not going to change. And, and I don't think there's any evidence that the need for interpersonal skills and leadership skills is going to change either. But we really do have to stay at the forefront of meeting the needs in these key areas and, and continue to work with government and other agencies to make sure we do that well. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. I learned a lot. And uh, the study is really pretty great as an omnibus study in trying to examine where we are as Canadians uh, around the concepts of work. I want to thank you for your time today. My great pleasure. Thank you. Alex Clark is the president of Athabatha University. I'm Kurt LaPointe. Thanks a lot for watching.